Lord, we ask that at this time that you quieten our minds and that you focus our hearts. And as we read the word uh, that is about to be read, that it will become infused with the power of your Holy Spirit. That the words will somehow be used to transform us and to shape us into a more Christ-like people. We ask that as it is read, that you will bless the reading of it, but bless the hearing of it as well. That we will hear your voice amongst the words. That you will stir something up within us. That you will soften our hearts. That you will make, prepare us for your guidance, for your instruction. Bless this time that we have in your presence and in the presence of each other. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart, And with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Today marks the end of things uh, in a number of ways. It marks the end of our series on the life of David, and although it was only about six weeks long, I wish we could have spent more time going over the details of David's life. Uh, Time just simply wouldn't permit us to go any further. So today marks the end of of this study. It also marks the end of Alabama's undefeated season. Uh, But that's that's about all I'm going to say about that. and as, and as Roger said, and as is written on the front of your bulletin, it marks the end of the church year. Not the calendar year. The calendar year obviously ends at the end of December. But the church year ends the week before Advent. Because when Advent comes next week, it will be a new year. It will be one that begins with hope and with promise and with expectation. And that's a wonderful way to start the new year. And some of you may have wondered why we're coming in here uh, the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving and we're not singing Christmas songs yet. Well, the way the calendar happens to fall this year, Advent doesn't start until next week. So we'll get to that next week. But today is something that we don't need to gloss over because it is the end of the church year and we end the church year with the proclamation that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And no matter what has happened in the year prior, no matter what has changed, no matter who we have brought into this world or who we have lost in this world, Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, just as he was at the end of the last church year. 
As every year goes by, it reminds us of our own mortality. As we bring to close the church year and as we even look ahead a few weeks and we think about the end of 2017, every year that comes by reminds us that another year of our life is in the books, never to be relived again. It can be a sobering thought. And as we contemplate that, as we think about what it means to be finite, what it means to be mortal, what it means to be passing, if we think about it long enough, we start to realize that many of the things in our life that are so important to us in the grand scheme of things won't be important at all. Many of the material things especially that we will leave behind are of no eternal consequence because, as the saying goes, we can't take them with us when we go. I was watching Family Feud earlier this week, and one of the questions that they asked was, what is one thing that you would bury with your spouse in their coffin? And the, and the answers ranged everything from car keys to the TV remote to their, their uh, high school football jersey. And it's really sad to think about somebody that even in death can't let go of something like that from this earth. And that that thing, whatever it was, can no longer serve any other purpose for anyone else because the, per- the person who, who departed was, bound, was, was so bent on taking it with them, but really all they did was take it six feet under the earth where their body lies. The truth is we can't take anything with us except our souls. What we leave behind is of infinite importance for all of those we love who remain behind after we go. And that's what David came to understand as he was about to pass away. He knew that he was leaving the crown to Solomon. He was leaving the throne to him. But that wasn't really what was important. So in his final dying hours, he called Solomon to his bedside and he says, I am going the way of the earth. I am going the way of the earth. What does that mean? Well, all of the earth is is filled with life. But that life springs forth, it blossoms, it flourishes, and then it perishes. And more life comes behind it, right? All through scripture we see this. And we, and we hear in Isaiah, it says, uh, a man's life is like uh, the grass of the field. It flourishes and then withers and it's blown away. And the book of James says your life is, is like a vapor. It's here and then it's not. And David understood this as he prepared for eternity. And as he says to Solomon, I am going the way of the earth. And he calls Solomon next. Uh, over to his bedside and he says I'm going to leave behind something that's far more important that's far more important than the crown far more important than the throne the kingdom the castles the, the chariots the swords whatever it is the thing that I'm about to leave to you is of infinite infinite importance and he leaves behind to Solomon his faith humility and a promise Now, first of all, he leaves behind his faith because he simply gives his testimony. He says, observe these things about God. Observe his laws and his ordinances, uh, his testimonies. Follow them. And in doing this, David is testifying of his own faith. Because David knows that, that where I have lived according to faith, I have succeeded. And when I haven't, I haven't succeeded. 
And David gives this this final testimony of his own faith to Solomon. He passes it on. It becomes like an heirloom. And as I said to the children in the children's sermon, this is something that is, is the most important thing we can leave behind to take care of those that we leave behind. Our faith is simply the greatest thing we can pass down to the future generations. The, our, the, the Christian faith, the church today, wouldn't exist if it weren't for people leaving their testimony behind, passing their faith on. Ricky Gervais is a, uh, a comedian and an actor uh, who I, I saw a clip of earlier this week, and he was talking about, um, about teaching children. And he said that, in his opinion, we should not teach any religion at all to children until they're 20 years old. And his rationality behind this, he said, a child's mind is like a sponge. They absorb everything they're taught. And they'll believe what, whatever you teach them, and they'll just they'll internalize it, and they'll make it true, even if it's not true. And so you'll have all these different religions being tossed at them from an early age, and they don't have the capacity to, to figure out which one makes the most sense, rationally, logically. And when they're 20, they, they develop that, that part of their mind that, that can sort through all that. So we need to not teach any religion to any children until they're 20, and they can figure it out for themselves. Well, it should come as no surprise that Ricky Gervais is an atheist. And he's right about one thing. A child's mind is like a sponge. But if you don't pass your faith on to them, something else will be passed on in its place. Because one way or another, they are going to soak something up. To say that we shouldn't pass on our faith is foolishness. Our faith is what will give them the principles and the foundations on which they can build a healthy, moral, spiritual life. And if we say, no, 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 we're going to let them decide for themselves when they're older, well, guess what? By the time they're older, it's probably too late. Because somebody is going to teach our children something if we don't. Something will be taught in its place. Yes, the mind, the, the mind of a child is like a sponge. Yes, they will soak up what it is fed. But that's why it is vitally important for us to consider the future generations and for us to pass that faith on to them so that they have something solid to build on. When a child grows up with parents who are strong in their faith, it makes a child feel secure. As the, the parent or the grandparent or their guardian's uh, uh, faith is strengthened, as they see them living in confidence and in trust in God, the, the child, that, that is passed down to the child, and they live in this, this world where they feel secure and protected. And as they grow, they also continue to have this, this solid foundation, something they can lean on. One of my favorite Proverbs from chapter uh, 18 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. If God is a strong tower, that means that's something we can lean on, something we can go run to, something we can find safety in. But if we don't have faith, we won't run to it. And if we don't leave our faith behind for the future generations, they won't know to run to it either. And David realized that. And that's why he passed his faith down to future generations. And in his final moments, he told Solomon, this is one of the most important things you can do. Trust God. 
He also passed on his humility. He said, you may, David didn't say, get on the throne and let everybody know that you're the best king ever. Get get on the throne and conquer the world. David didn't say any of that. David said, remember the Lord. Remember who is the real king here. Remember who's really in charge. Remember his laws. Remember his commands. Remember what he told Moses and what has been passed down through the law and through the prophets. The realization was that God was the true eternal king. David saw himself in those last few moments of his life, I'm sure, as simply the placeholder. The person who had had taken that position to help accomplish God's will during his lifetime. And now it was his son's turn to do the same. This is something for all of us to remember, especially on Christ the King Sunday. That as we come... As we go, Christ remains the king. And that he can reign in us, he can rule through us, he can accomplish his will through us, as long as we remain humble and acknowledge that we are not really in control, he is in control. David realized one king dies, one king rises, but there is one king that lives eternal, and he is the one that we should all be following. He is the one that we should all listen to, and that is God. This whole transaction between David and Solomon made for a smooth leadership transition. That's something that I wish we had in our political world today. We hardly ever have smooth political transitions. When there is a transition, the one current leader will blame the last leader for all his current failures and so on and so forth. And you see this at every level of government, and all the politicians tend to do this. And I just think sometimes it would be so refreshing to hear somebody own up to their own mistakes, right? Am I alone in thinking that? I mean, how refreshing would it be to hear a politician, a governor, a senator, a congressman, a president, whoever... Say, you know what, I messed up on that. I shouldn't have done that, but I'm going to make it right. But you won't hear that. Because they know that the opposing party will tear them up, the media will tear them up, whatever. And so there's all this pride that these politicians will have. They don't want to admit their own shortcomings. And then, when they leave, the next one comes in with their same pride, their same baggage... And if they have any shortcomings, they want to blame it on somebody else. Well, this wasn't the way for David. This wasn't the way for Solomon. And the reason why was because they were both humble. David said, I'm only the earthly king, and that time has come to an end. And you are only the earthly king, and one day that time will come to an end. But there is an eternal king that we need to adhere to, to submit to. And as long as we do that, then your kingdom will be blessed and it will be successful. And that brings us to the final thing that David left, Solomon, which was a promise. You see, God made a covenant with David. God said that from your descendant will be established a king who will be the Messiah. And that king is Jesus. Now, he also said, as long as your descendants are faithful to me, there will always be one of you on the throne. There will always be one of your descendants on the throne. That didn't happen. 
Because years later, they would be unfaithful, and years later, Israel would uh, be held captive by Babylon. But God held up his end of the bargain, his end of the covenant, and, and, and established David's throne forever through Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus was already king in all reality. You say, well, how is that? Jesus wasn't born until many generations after David. But the thing is, Jesus was eternal. As the book of John tells us, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh, and that flesh was Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ was already in existence, and Jesus Christ was already the eternal Word. He was already the eternal ruler, and the eternal king. That's why David in his psalm says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand and I'll make your enemies your footstool. David didn't know the name of Jesus. He didn't know the name of his descendant. But he knew that there was an eternal king on the throne already. Eternity has no beginning and no end. And so David knew that even though the Messiah might be in his bloodline and future generations, he also knew that it was going to be an eternal king Someone who was already ruling, and and that person was God. It was the Messiah. It was God's anointed, but it was also God. And that's why David told Solomon, and everything that you do, follow the law, follow the word of God, because the word of God made flesh would be Jesus Christ. Now, we, we, we consider all of this with David, and we think about Jesus being the king, and, and, and how, how is this relevant for us? How is this real for us? We're not kings. We can't rule as David ruled. We don't have the power that David had or that Solomon would have. But the truth is, the promise remains that Jesus Christ continues to reign, and as long as we submit to him, as long as we follow his wisdom, his laws, his voice, his truth. He will reign on our behalf. Now what's funny about this is David starts off by telling Solomon, be strong. But he doesn't say, be strong, go do a bunch of push-ups. He doesn't say, be strong and eat a lot of protein. He doesn't say, even, even mentally strong, he doesn't say, sharpen your wit. He says, be strong by submitting yourself to God. Be strong by finding your strength in the one who is much stronger than you are. When we think of kingdoms, when we think of security, when we think of might and power and strength, what do we think of? We think of walls. We think of forts. We think of of gates that cannot be broken. We think of weapons. We think of defense. David didn't mention any of that. He said, be strong, submit to God. Turn to God. That's where you will find your strength. See, God has blessed each one of us with the wonderful experience of living life here on earth for sharing life and this space with each other. But we must all realize that this mortal life is temporary. What we leave behind endures long after we are gone. So what are we set to leave behind? 
I pray that it's our faith, our humility, and the hope and the promises that the eternal God has offered to us. We are strong when we find our strength in Him. We will live eternally when we find our life in Him. And just as He reigns in our hearts, He longs to continue to reign in the hearts of those who come behind us. This is our legacy. And as yet another year goes by, may this legacy remain. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that we do find our strength in you. That we do find our life in you. That we lean not on our own understanding, that we trust not in ourselves, but that we trust in you. That our faith is made strong in you. And we pray that this faith is cultivated and that it grows within us so that we have confidence and assurance that not only strengthens us, not only serves as a strong tower for us, but can be left behind for those who are watching us, for those who are coming up behind us, so that they too may have a strong tower to run to and be safe. Lord, we pray that you strengthen us day by day. And as we end this year, this church year, that you remind us, kings and kingdoms all pass away. Years come and years go. But you reign eternal. Reign and rule in our hearts today and every day beyond. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 580 in the United Methodist Hymnal, Lead On, O King Eternal. If you've made a decision of any type today, I invite you and encourage you to come forward and share that with us as we sing. Uh, As always, the altar is open for anyone who wishes to spend a few moments in prayer. But please stand if you are able and join us in singing hymn number 580, Lead On, O King Eternal.